Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Reginald, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Would you like to introduce yourself to everyone out there listening? Thank you very much. My name is Reginald Bonbon. I am right now the what they call the RGI and the Bristol Professor of Law at North Carolina Central University. It's just a fancy name that they give you, give you a little extra money. Not a whole lot of money, just a little bit extra money. Uh, my background, do you want me to talk about my background in general and what, uh, how, how much? Yeah, a little bit about yourself, if you want to say how we got interested in getting to the main topic, which is talking about big pharma. Okay, I, 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 I'm a tax lawyer by training. Uh, obviously, as a lawyer, I went to law school, that kind of stuff. I got my, my master's in tax at uh, the University of Florida. And then, but, but you know, since I've, been, I've been teaching for about 20 years now, and when you teach, I kind of shift a little bit toward policy. Not just hardcore tax uh, uh, law, but a little bit of policy, uh, and then uh, and then and so I've, 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 I've written books on, on corporate tax. Uh, I've also written a book on Haiti about my country, generally dealing with policy politics. And then my latest article I wrote on big pharma, pharmaceutical companies, essentially the challenges that they pose for the health of the country. So that that that's where you pick up the uh, uh, article. Now, about Big Pharma, though, how did you get interested in looking into Big Pharma and talking about it? Because if you talk, everyone knows about Big Pharma. We all joke around and we all know the stereotype of big pharmaceuticals that only want money and stuff like that. But also, depending on where what area it is, it kind of can get lumped into some like, oh, they're not all just in it for the money. I was like, I've spoken to some academics who would look at you like you're a conspiracy theorist if you start talking about big pharma. I'm like, well, it's just business. We know about tobacco studies back in the day. I mean, they were you know, all slanted. They have a whole dark history. But with pharmaceutical drugs, it's a large part of our country, especially in the United States. I think we're one of two countries in the world that advertise pharmaceutical drugs. And it's it's a money incentive. It's a, it's a very bad thing to have in what you would call the pillar of health. Oh yeah, and I think right. the, the, the one thing I like to say when I talk to people about that about conspiracy theory, the one thing I like to say about that conspiracy conspiracy theories are wrong until they're right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, 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 that's my favorite quote. And so, for example, uh, I'm sure you heard about uh, the U.S. government uh, making uh, uh, basically testing blacks in the '50s for syphilis. Right. Well, you know, no one, no one believed that. No one actually believed that until the FDA finally. Uh, yeah, finally, they did it at pri- on all prisoners too. They just went. All, there's a big thing with pharmaceutical drug testing on prisoners. And when I say that, people go, "Oh, that sounds like a conspiracy." I'm like, "Look it up. The whole U.S. Justice Department has a whole file on it." Exactly. That's the thing. Conspiracy theory. To me, to me, when you say conspiracy theory, that 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 means that you being lazy intellectual. You don't really want to research. But anyway. So, so the, the reason I get started in that is because you know, I have high blood pressure, right? And the whole high blood pressure thing is kind of very interesting. I don't know if you ever heard about the big pat, the big passage. I don't know if you ever heard of that. No, the big passage. Obviously, it's a it's a theory because the reason for that is scientifically it cannot be proven. But anyway, but bottom line is what happens is a, a large number of African Americans have high blood pressure, a very large number. And then when you look at Africa, where African Americans generally come from. They don't have a, a, such a prevalence of high, high blood pressure. And the question is, wait a minute now, you pretty much have the same DNA. Why is it African-Americans have such so, high blood pressure, whereas Africans themselves don't have that? And so what the theory come up basically say, well, you know, during the slave trade, during the Great Passage, that's what some people call it, what happens is they, they put a lot of slaves in the bowels of the, uh, of the ships. And what happens is those that tended to survive were those that tended to have high blood pressure. And the reason for that, because when you have high blood pressure, you have a tendency of sweating a little bit more. And sweating is a cooling mechanism. 
That's how the body uh, actually cools itself by sweating, which is a good thing. That's why when you run, you sweat, but you hope to get cooled. Those that didn't have a high blood pressure, that, that mechanism wasn't working as well, and so therefore they needed to die. So it was almost like a natural selection process. But again, this is just a theory. You can't test that theory, obviously, but it kind of makes sense. Anyway, so you know, I have high blood pressure. I, I've been going to the doctor for that. And, and then I did a little bit of research in terms of finding exactly there was a lot of generics. And I started talking, talking to my doctor about the, the generics, because the generics were much more cheaper. And, and I told him, I, I was very upfront, I'm not trying to self-medicate. I am not a doctor. I, I, I was very clear, I did not do well in biology. <laughs> That's why I'm not a doctor. And I said, I'm not trying to, 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 to medicate myself, but you know, I want you to explain to me why am I not on generics as opposed to the regular procedure. And then you went back and forth. You just couldn't really explain it. It was not a valid explanation. And he finally put me on the generics, well, which had the same equivalency as the branding uh, job that, 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 that I was on. And then when I started doing some research, I realized there's money involved. There's money involved. The branding drugs cost a lot more, uh, and there's money involved. And if they can get doctors to prescribe that, insurance companies really have having the choice. Uh, you know, it's going to be very hard for an insurance company to push your doctor and, 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 and the patient to accept generic drugs, all right? Because again, you know, so, and so, so, so that's what I started looking at it. And, and I realized it was all, all about money. And it was, it was, it was shocking to me uh, that it was not only just about money. And I've read tons of articles. And what they basically concluded is that doctors are just really drug peddlers, no more than that. And so that, 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 that was kind of shocking that to me. And that's why they said you could do it. I noticed it when I was in a doctor's office and they this person came in with like a whole briefcase of just drugs and like pamphlets and all this. Try this thing. It's coming out soon and it's going to be like this. And I'm like, why oh, I feel like I'm in like a, an actual real time advertisement. It was like scary to notice that. But then I started noticing that doctors do get an incentive for pushing certain drugs. But I, I don't know where that relationship starts from, where they enter into this. I mean, it's I'm not going to blame the doctor. Because that we're in a money needing world and we kind of pushes people to want money. But also, I don't take it away from them saying that I cannot blame you because you are pushing drugs that are only going to be beneficial to line your own pockets. The same reason I just don't know when that relationship with Big Pharma got involved into these pillars of health. That's really excellent. It, it, it started from, from medical school, medical school, nurses, psychiatrists. Uh, I, I mean, in fact, you know, I, I went on all of that basically said the whole medical profession. The medical profession, as we know it today, was crafted for profit, literally crafted for profit. The whole medical medical profession, because essentially, uh, there was this, they, basically what they wanted to do. Pharmaceutical companies they essentially wanted to control that. And so, in, in, in the 1800s, you didn't have medical doctors. You had people that did different things, and people that are smart. That then you know it wasn't really really organized. And then they literally created the medical profession and basically said, you know, what? if you're not a medical doctor, you're basically a quack. Without any scientific proof that what you did was what, what, what actually work or didn't work, and so so that's how the person gets started. And then they, they essentially train them from day one to essentially uh, 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 give them pills. But, you know, my, my last doc, the doctor that I have right now a little better, but my, my doctors always always want to prescribe pills for every single thing. Every single thing is a pill. And matter of fact, as we record that, business says uh, uh, somebody I think a big CEO of a pharmaceutical company said, you know, there's only two kind of people. Those that have medical conditions and those that don't know it yet. <laughs> uh, and so that, that's what I was saying. And let me give you another example. Uh, cholesterol, for example. Cholesterol. Cholesterol, 
you have a certain level of cholesterol and that kind of stuff. Or in the 60s, they changed the level of cholesterol that it was considered quote unquote. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They, they changed the level that was considered quote unquote dangerous. And they, they had a committee. The committee was essentially packed, packed with pharmaceutical people. And so what they, what they essentially did, they lowered the threshold for quote unquote dangerous cholesterol. They, they made it much lower. And the result now is about, as we know, an article that basically says about three fourths of our Americans, 50 year old or older, or older, are under some kind of medicine. Three fourths. I would even raise that up a little bit. I think I'm I'm 25, and most kids my age right now are, are one or two prescribed drugs. Whether it's a depression thing, whether it's an anxiety thing, I actually gave my friends some not medical advice, but I noticed we have I have ADHD, but we have like these kind of similar qualities. I noticed about her, and she's taking anxiety medication, uh, depression medication, like five other things. And I go ask your doctor about ADHD. I bet it, that one would might fix everything that you're taking. I'd rather you be taking one. Honestly, I'd rather you not be taking any, but I'd rather you be taking one over 15 different ones. And now she's only on one because it turns out she did find out she has ADHD. I was like, that's the thing, though. Is anybody focused on that? Or you have a problem, they go, okay, here's what we usually use for that problem. It's like, where's the individual care? Yeah, exactly. It's about money. Money, 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 push, build, push, build, push, build. And, you know, and there's a, I mean, I was some articles. And they, what, what they find out, actually, is that there are people who die in the 80s, 85, 86, 85, 87, which is a normal lifespan. And when they did, when they did autopsy, they, they realized that they had cancer. They had untreated cancer. Untreated cancer, right? And they were able to live a regular lifespan. And so, you know, and so, so, so obviously that, that research was shut down. Uh, because because the, the idea that you know we have we have cancer as chemotherapy and all that stuff, and so what the person was, was basically saying, saying well, wait a minute now, there's some people like that can actually live with cancer and live a quote unquote normal lifespan. If you can live a quote unquote normal lifespan with cancer, what's the point of the cure? What's the what's the point of the cure? And it's also they, they, but, but obviously the pharmaceutical industry is fighting that tooth and nail because they want the cure. And so I mean, it's, it's obviously very very, very complex. And the only thing is, they have the advantage because they have the quote unquote uh, medical experience. They have the medical experience, they have the medical uh, terminology. And by the time, and also, more, more importantly, it's all about politics. It's all about, now they call it policies, but it's politics. And unfortunately, the pharmaceutical company controls the Congress completely. And again, that's another quote unquote conspiracy theory. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, if I were to ask you, how, how much money does it take to control? The Congress, what would your answer be? How much money does it take? How much money do you have to have to quote unquote control the Congress? At least close to a mill. Oh, no, 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 a little bit more, more than that. Somebody did, did the calculation. It's about $1.5 billion. $1.5 billion. And the reason for that, because every Congress person has to raise about three to $4 million for re election. And re election is every two years, right? And so it's a huge problem because you have to raise that every two years. Well, you know, if you're a pharmaceutical company, you have a billion dollars that you can actually, uh, you can give a million, a million, you can have a huge impact. And that's what happens. The United States government is literally captivated by the private sector. And I know that for personal uh, 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 insight. You know, it's not a conspiracy theory. Well, see what what you're saying right there. People would call that a conspiracy, that it's big pharma's funded Congress. And it's like, 
think of it from like a, a strategic standpoint. You have people that are worried about feeding themselves and feeding their families and making themselves richer. They're not worried if a bill that gets passed might have some dangerous effects to it or might not be responsible. They're going to take the cash over the ethics of it. Exactly. And then not, not that Congress is really about, uh, about having a seat at the table. That's yeah. what it really is. I've been sitting at the table. And also, again, you have lobbyists writing the law. A lot of laws are written by lobbyists, not by congresspersons. Because if you think about it, the average congressperson, they don't know anything about uh, medical uh, laws and all that stuff. But for example, when they voted on Obamacare, well, you know, I, the Obamacare law itself is about 4,000 pages long. I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you that the 95 plus percent of the Congress pe people did not read the law. I get 100%, 100%, not 95. You know what I mean? You can't read that law because it's just too complex. I'm a tax lawyer by training, right? That's what I do for a living. Right? That's what I've done for about 40 years. And I had a really hard time within that thing. It's just huge. All kind of uh, uh, exceptions and exclusions. And so so, so basically, basically what I'm saying is the federal government is a captivated by the private sector. And it's all about making money. It's unfortunate, but again, every time you talk like that, you're just a conspiracy theorist. You're just a conspiracy Again, I'm, you know, I don't know what that means. I want to ask about when you were examining the connection with politics. I mean, were you shocked to find out that there were like kind of these incentives or influence into obviously people that are writing policies and directing it, or were you just kind of like aware of it just from the business aspect? Not at all. And the reason for that, because I work for the IRS. I worked for the IRS for about 15 years, and, and, and I was a manager in the national office, and the IRS is controlled by the private sector, literally controlled by the private sector. And, and, and they have different ways of doing it. They, the big way of doing it, they call that the revolving door, right? And the revolving organization means you got a young, young whippersnapper coming out of law school, that kind of stuff. They go to the IRS. They have to pretty much make a commitment of four years in the IRS. You pretty much have to make a, a commitment because it takes that long to train you. That you you can actually become uh, productive, right? Because it's very complex, like I said, right? So anyway, so they go there for four years, but the whole time they're looking at what the private sector. They're looking at, at, at big law firms, big and from that's where they're going to make their money. And so it, to me, it was just extraordinary. They had more respect uh, to the private sector attorneys than they had for their own IRS government bosses, because they know, you know, they think about it. This person says, you know what, I'm going to have probably a 30-year career, right? In my 30-year career, I'm going to spend four years at the IRS, 26 years in the private sector. Uh, and not only that, the money that they're going to make in the private sector is about four or five times what they're making in the IRS. So therefore, you know, they're, they're in the IRS for the training only. And so every single, and then in addition to that, they have this, I guess, unwritten rule that if you want to be a high official in the IRS, it cannot happen going through the ranks. It's not going to happen. If you want to be chief counsel of the IRS, it's not going to happen. It is impossible to become chief counsel of the IRS to work your way through. It's not going to happen. You have to come from the public sector. It's an un unwritten rule, but that's just the way it is. I was there 15 years, and I think I saw maybe eight or nine chief counsels, every single commissioners also. Every single one of them came from the public sector. Every one of them, right? And so that, and and, 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 then, and then you look at that, and you kind of expand that to all. It, it's it's everywhere. All government agencies are are the same, right? And so now, now they have we uh, you know gas and the smarter. The, the I mean they have all kind of crazy notions on that. 
But that's how the government in these United States work. Uh, and, and and that's from somebody from the inside. You know, I, I don't know if you go to conspiracy. That's what I saw. That's what I saw. Every single chip council, you know, so. The conspiracy labeling on something like this is surprising, but I think it's because people don't want to know or they're a bit afraid of knowing of how deeply connected it is. Like uh, we we talked, we mentioned earlier about kind of the establishment and the start of it, but then we start getting into like the ramifications. And in my opinion, I think it's really worse today. I mean, I was just watching TV with a friend and we saw a pharmaceutical company, well, three pharmaceutical ads back to back, basically. But one of them, they just said the side effects slowly, temporary uh, blindness, uh, paralysis, and in some rare cases, death. And I just looked over at her. I was like, did you just hear that? They used to say them fast. Now that was just, they just said it. They didn't even like, nobody's going to pay attention. They're going to play a Reese's Pieces ad next. And we're all moving on to the next thing. So I'm curious what you think, like some dangers or the ramifications of having this go on for so long. Cause obviously if we talk about the health of the country right now, it's not very good. There's a lot of people that are in really bad states of health right now. And I don't know if this is just from a long time pushing of, I don't know, certain drugs or something of that sort. Oh yeah. I mean, what it is, it's like, what do you realize is that people are not, are not paying attention. Uh, just like, I remember the first time. And also, the ad thing where essentially that what they had to actually essentially admit those disclosures, that actually came under Obama. That actually came under Obama. That actually came on as part of the Obamacare, where essentially, basically what they were doing when they were negotiating back and forth, back and forth. And also, I don't know if you remember, uh, uh, Bill, Bill and Hillary Clinton tried to get uh, uh, health care. Right, they, they try to get in. I don't know if you remember that, but well, you 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 look fairly young, so you probably don't remember. Anyway, Twenty five, so I wasn't really. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to go? Yeah, exactly. So 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 the bill and 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 he, I mean the whole healthcare thing has a long history. Uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, and, but anyway, I'm not going to go to the history. But anyway, but Bill Clinton, Bill and Clinton is actually that's one thing we want to do. He essentially wanted to essentially uh, do healthcare, expand healthcare, and so then what he did, he put Hillary Clinton in charge. Right, he put Hillary Clinton in charge, but she had some policy issues that kind of stuff, and so. Uh, that that whole thing gets started. Well, you know what they did politically? They killed her. They destroyed her. They bludgeoned her politically. They had ads against against her and all kind of stuff. Right? So the whole thing basically collapsed. And those ads were mostly funded by the pharmaceutical companies, right? They, they funded those ads. Uh, there was an ad that was very popular where you essentially saw a couple uh, talking about, well, you know, uh, now that they regulate healthcare, I can't get my pills now anymore. You know, that kind of stuff. That's a silly stuff, right? But anyway, so the, the, the whole thing collapsed. Uh, Bill Clinton paid a heavy duty political price for that, and he gave it up, right? He gave it up. Well, you know, Obama came, Obama came, Obama wanted to pick it up. And they wanted to pick it up, and they did not, they wanted to succeed. They wanted to quote unquote succeed, right? They, they, they didn't want to fail. Well, the first thing they did is they made a deal with the pharmaceutical company. That's the first thing they did. They made a deal with the pharmaceutical company, and the pharmaceutical company, essentially, what, which was incredible, they agreed to fund the expansion of healthcare. So the pharmaceutical companies got together. They basically said, "You want? We're gonna give you guys ninety billion dollars." Right? That's like your drug dealer paying for rehab. Oh, yeah. oh my god! Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So the pharmaceutical companies agreed to give ninety billion dollars, but what they get in return, they get access to millions of new customers, right? And pretty much, uh, in terms of the prices, they can charge any price they want, no restriction on prices. They have some medicines now that cost eighty-four thousand dollars. It's a medicine that costs eighty-four. You know, our, our medicine costs a lot more than in Europe. Like, but anyway, so that's how this thing got passed. Because the pharmaceutical company got got on board. They definitely put some money, but they got a lot more. And so, but you know, it was a political compromise. 
And so, so that, 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 that's, that's what he's saying. But so, so, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's really extraordinary. But, you know, I, I guess if you think about it, if, you know, beyond conspiracy theory, right? People talk about conspiracy theory. When you say conspiracy theory, that essentially means that you don't, really, you don't really want to think about anything. You basically reach a conclusion. But if you think about it, you know, these are big, rich, powerful companies, right? And of course, they're going to have their say. How can you have a multi-billion dollar industry and you have some government regulating the industry and the not having a say? I mean, I, I think I, they have to have a say. Uh, they're not going to let some government bureaucrats, quote unquote, destroy the industry, <laughs> especially when they can have lobbyists. And so, so that's the problem. The other problem is they've, they've gone too far. Uh, that's the problem. They've gone too far. What would you suggest be some roadblocks or some fixes that help kind of this direction go in the opposite way where we can actually have this detachment of the pharmaceutical industry and so many things that we should be holding in high esteem, like our health industry? Yeah, well, you know, my, what, what I did in my article, I essentially said, you know, I look at a bunch of things, a bunch of problems. There's obviously a bunch of legal problems. There's a bunch of constitutional problems like the taking. Somebody's spot. losing money. That's what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. And so, so what I basically said, you know, I said, well, you know, uh, if you really want to fix this problem, this is how you have to fix it. You essentially have to essentially uh, 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 take away the money incentive because, because I, you know, I've I, I got some stats here. Let me, see, let me see if I can read the stats here quickly. Yeah, I've got some stats here where it basically says, uh, yes, uh, the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies uh, I guess in 2006, 2019, they spent about $288 billion in research. $288 billion. And so that, that's the part of people that support them. Say, well, you know what? Look at all this money that we spend on, on, on research, right? Which is true. I mean, they, 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 they've done some good things. But so again, they, they spent about $288 billion in research between 1996 and 2005. But in the same span of time, they spent $700 and $39 billion in marketing, right? To about $300 billion in research, right? And about $700 billion in marketing. Do you see where the emphasis is? I'm just so clueless as to who watches a pharmaceutical ad and go, that's what I need. I need this to stop me from having diarrhea. It's like, I, I think people already know the brands in their head. It's kind of like Coca-Cola. It's like a household name in some places that you don't really need to advertise that much anymore. Like when you see an advertisement for McDonald's, you're like, why are you guys doing that? It doesn't make sense. Everyone, we see it every two steps we take. There's a McDonald's there. That doesn't make sense. But for pharmaceutical companies, I don't know why they even need to market. We shouldn't be having that in this country. Well, well, well you know, the, the interesting thing about marketing, right? Marketing, again, you would think, if McDonald's stopped marketing, people would stop knowing about that. That's the danger of not marketing. Uh, you think it's so ingrained in your brain. And the reason why it's ingrained in your brain is because they started marketing to you when you were a toddler. Uh, when you were a toddler, McDonald's, what's the big, big McDonald's thing? McDonald's, uh, what do you call this guy? Uh, the big goofy guy, McDonald's. But anyway, uh, the point is they started marketing to you as a toddler. And, and then they keep doing that. But if they stop doing it, you would actually be, because I think what happens is in the marketing industry, there's so much noise out there. There's so much noise out there that they're afraid that if they stop making their own noise, people will forget about them. Uh, you know, particularly McDonald's, there's nothing really that says burgers. McDonald's, you know it's burgers because you've been sensitized to it. But, 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 but can you imagine the first McDonald's that got open? What the heck is that? McDonald's, what is that about? 
Uh, you know, what I mean? so so that that's the danger of market. So that's why they have to constantly put in your basically what they would want to do is put it in your subconscious. That's the idea, you know. So but anyway, so so, so have you looked into that that type of marketing that they do? It's um called media marketing or manipulative marketing. They actually get like psychologists and things to try and find. They do it with um. It's a, there's a schizophrenia ad that it still sticks in my head to this day. I saw it. I think it came out like 2015, but it's a woman and she's talking to some friends. And um, it's an ad for schizophrenia medication, remember, and she's talking and then she just immediately gets sad and then she pops her head up from the table and all her friends are gone and realizes it was schizophrenia. She was talking to a bunch of imaginary figures. And I was like, you just I don't even what is that? And it's like you it scares people about schizophrenia. But also, if you have schizophrenia and you see that, you immediately go, oh, I want the voices to stop. And then she's next thing you know, she's walking with a little toddler and a dog and she's having a happy life. And you see the drug get thing over. I was like, how do they even think about writing this, creating this, marketing this to people? But they actually did studies. I had academics on here talk about it, that they go and they interview and they talk to psychologists, get a panel, they get surveys and they see what's the most effective way. If you see someone smiling, drinking a Coke, it's like a 50 some 50 something percent chance that someone's going to be more than willing to go buy that Coke. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so the, the point I was trying to make is that they, they do spend a lot of money on research, research, that kind of stuff. Uh, although a lot of research is done by the government, we, we, again, we, you know, we, we can get lost in that, but a lot, a lot, I guess, I guess what they call basic research, what the, what scientists call basic research is pretty much done at the governmental level. And basic research, I guess, from what I understand, basically means when you're doing the research, but you don't, you don't really know where you are going to end up. You do the research, but you don't really know where you're going to end up. And, and, and what happens it really is only the federal government can actually do that. Only the federal government get, get, get that kind of deep pocket. And then the research gets mature. That's when the private sector, uh, comes in. And that's when they can commercialize it. They can commercialize it. They can do, let me give you an example. Uh, DNA, DNA, right? Well, the first guy that actually mapped the DNA, he actually mapped the DNA of a fruit fly. That's the first thing he did. He mapped the DNA of a fruit fly, right? And then he, had, he actually got a government grant. And they said, why do you want to map the DNA of a, of a fruit, fruit, fruit fly? He didn't even have a reason. He really didn't have a reason. He just thought it was interesting. Uh, you know what I mean? In other words, he didn't see all that DNA thing that we are talking about. So yeah, he did it, and then and then and then people picked up that, and then they realized, wait a minute, we can actually get to a point where, where this DNA thing can be commercialized, and that's when the private sector jumps in, and that's a lot of local people don't 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 realize when it becomes commercial. Again, we have another example: Elon Musk. Right? Elon Musk is talking about going to uh, space. Space is going to Mars. All that stuff is going to try to commercialize it. I, th- I think I think there is some commercialization right now. So you can use space for a million dollars, that got stuff, and all in it. Anyway, the point is, you know how much billions of dollars NASA spent to get us to that level? It was big. So, so my point really is, government did a lot of that. And going back to the pharmaceutical industry, they spent a lot more money on marketing than they spent on research. A lot more money on marketing. So what happens is, they want the uh, biggest bang for the buck, and so now it becomes just a, a Commercialization, just trying to sell products. And so my suggestion would be, you know what? This is how we can solve it. Again, I'm not necessarily sure that's gonna happen, but if you turn them into non-profits, right? Basically, you know what? Pharmaceutical companies, because of your impact on the national healthcare, this is something that's actually a national security issue. And so therefore, you have to be a non-profit. You cannot be for profit. And so what we're going to do, we're going to keep the scientists, right? We're going to keep all the scientists, right? 
we're going to take the marketers, you know, you know, pretty much, you know, uh, uh, reduce them next to nothing. And it's going to be won by scientists. Uh, and the scientists are going to be looking at really, it should be a public uh, sphere, a public uh, kind of thing. It's like what's best for the public. And again, you know, we keep the scientists, forget about the, 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 the marketers that go from doctors to doctors trying to push pills just to make money. But the whole point of going to doctors and doctors to push pills, it's not, it's not about health. It's about making money. Uh, and so, so, but if you turn them into a, a non-profit, then essentially the profit incentive is pretty much gone. Not completely gone, but pretty much gone. And then hopefully you'll get a better result. Well, I think you can reduce the profit incentive of some of these pharmaceutical companies to the point where they're obviously not making a large amount from a lot of their stuff. But also when it comes to if you take it to a nonprofit or make it so the money is reduced down to a little, would you stop seeing so much marketing and would you also stop seeing research as well too? I mean, they wouldn't have an incentive. The only reason that they're influenced so much is because there's such an incentive for them too. Oh, oh yeah, I know. But 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 the thing is, it, when you flip it, right, you would essentially have you would have the, the Dr. Fauci-like characters being in charge of pharmaceutical companies. And so those guys are, are excessively interested in healthcare, interested in research, right? Uh, and then when when it comes to the money, they they they, they will still make money. See, non non profit does not mean that you're not making money. No, 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 some non profits are extraordinarily profitable, right? And 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 that's the misnomer. The only difference is what you do with your profit. That's the only difference. You take your profit, do you give it to the shareholders, to the CEOs? Or do you take a profit and you put it into more research? Uh, you know what I mean? So uh, let me give you an example. Let's say a nonprofit finds a cure for I don't know, AIDS or cancer, right? Finds a cure for cancer. Well, yeah, that nonprofit is going to be tremendously wealthy. And that nonprofit is going to make a lot of money. And just because it's a nonprofit doesn't mean that, no, you make a lot of money. The only difference is when you make the three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten billions, right? What do you do with that money? That's the only difference, right? If it's a for-profit, the eight, nine, ten billions goes to the shareholders and the CEOs and whatever. If it's a non-profit, a large portion of it goes back into research. Uh, that's the difference. That's the difference. Coming from non-profits, when you talk about, um, like, for instance, do you think that in, like when they're researching a drug, they will put more money into researching something that's going to be more beneficial to them rather than something that might be more beneficial Absolutely. to the thing they're trying to treat. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That's a conspiracy yeah. question. People will call that a conspiracy question that people are obscuring, not the truth, but health in sense of for profit. But I just go, it's a smart strategy. I mean, a lot of these people that are involved in here, they're, they're money motivated, obviously. They're not just doing it because they care about someone that they've never met before. It's, you know, I believe there's people out there in our health industry that obviously care, but you become so closed off from everything else when you're making so much money that eventually it just kind of leads that. I think turning it into a nonprofit or reducing the profit incentive would slowly bring people back to reality of actually wanting to do what they originally signed up for healthcare to do. Exactly. Uh, fact, uh, I'm, I'm look, look at no, I know there's one uh, CEO, Laurie Little. Laurie Little, she was a famous CEO of a pharmaceutical company. And what she basically said, you know what? Our duty is to our shareholders. That's what she said. Our duty as a pharmaceutical company is to our shareholders. So our first duty is to make money, period. 
you know, and, and so, so that's, what, that's what she was quoted as saying. And she said that she wasn't trying to hide anything. And, and so, so again, that's what it is. These are, these are small profit companies, and they are there to make money. Uh, period. So it's not, they, they're, they're not out there to, to increase the public health. Not, you know, they do a lot of things, uh, a lot of marketing that they do. Uh, for example, uh, one of the things they do is corporate social responsibility. Well, I just spent a lot of money doing that. And basically, we corporate social responsibility because we, we have the boys club, the girls club, blah, blah, blah. We give some of our free uh, medicine to poor people. That, yeah, that's all, uh, marketing. But ultimately, they basically say, our duty is, is our show. We need to make money. We have to make money. And so uh, that's where it becomes more challenging. So the question really is, if you have some kind of medicine, that's not really the best medicine. It's all about making money. That's the problem. So if you, if, 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 if you shift the paradigm, so to speak, if you shift the paradigm where they become non-profit, so in other words, profit is not at the center of it all. You know, again, just because it's non-profit, you're still going to make money. It uh, doesn't mean that you're not going to make money. It's just that what you do with the money, and, and also because if, if you think about it, you know, talking about national healthcare, good lord, I can't think of anything that's more important. So, if you could shift earnings from marketing to shift the earnings to more beneficial research, so they're not oh, getting yeah, a large absolutely. incentive. And also, the whole idea is, you know, basically in this country, we had a notion at some point, uh, although we're changing, we're moving away from that. There's certain things that are, that's, that should be, for example. Corporations in general, in the beginning of, well, I don't want to time, in the beginning, corporations had to have a public purpose, right? I'm talking about in the 1900, early 1900s, 1800s. To, to have a corporation, you had to have a public purpose. And the reason for that, because they recognize that a corporation basically is an assembly of individuals, and it can become very powerful very quickly. And they did not, they did not want uh, a bunch of people to get together for their own profit. So therefore, you know, now it's changed now. But it used to be that for, if you have a corporation, if you it's a, you, Robbie, you wanted to have a corporation, you have to have a public purpose. Hey, you know what? This particular public corporation is for the following public purpose, right? Well, we've changed that now, where essentially you, you can do a corporation just to make money, right? And so 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 that's the challenge. If you shift the paradigm, shift the way of thinking, Basically, say, you know what? Okay, we're just going to be non-profit. In other words, basically, basically what I'm saying is that the profit part of it is no longer the centerpiece of it. All right? Doesn't mean that you're not going to make profit, but you keep the scientists. They're the ones that produce the, the products anyway. It's not the, the, the marketing team. Uh, you know what I mean? The marketing team. As a matter of fact, I, I have a young cousin who's a pharmaceutical rep, salesperson. He makes a lot, a, a lot of money. Uh, but he's not a scientist. He doesn't even care. Uh, you know what I mean? And so if, if you shift the paradigm where the scientists pretty much decide what to research, how to research, like that. and again, you know, I submit that whatever uh, a medicine that you find, you're going to make money. So it's not, it's not, it's not like, you, you, are, are you kidding me? If you find a, a cure for cancer, well, whomever finds that, that cure for cancer is going to be fabulously wealthy. Right? The only thing is, as a nonprofit, you make your 10 billion, 50 billion, what it is, you have to put it back into research. So now you research the next thing, not the, not the, not, not just the next hot thing. Let me give you an example. Vaccines, right? Up to COVID-19, vaccines were pretty much a dead area of research for pharmaceutical companies because there wasn't enough pockets, right? There wasn't enough pockets. So the vaccines didn't really do the research. Now, COVID-19, 
All right, careful with that subject. That'll get you flagged off YouTube. I don't want that to happen. I know, but what I'm saying is there's so much money to be made, right? Because you're talking about vaccine for at least 300 million people and not just one, you know? So so, so, so that's where the, the incident... Uh, uh, I, will, I will ask, um, what are your thoughts on pharmaceutical companies paying for their own research into their own drug? It would be a conflict of interest but I've noticed some studies where they don't declare a conflict of interest. But if I look at who's funding the study, there are people and corporations that are like the tobacco industry did it. Um, there's plenty of examples, things that the FDA has caught that has been serious problems of concerns when it comes to academics that are doing a certain survey to test a certain drug out. And the company that the drug is being that the drug that they're testing is funding the study. And yet no conflicts of interest were declared. Because these people consider themselves attached, even though their study is primarily funded by the drug that they're doing the study on. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's an obvious issue. And I know there has to be research, but I don't think they should be so connected with academia where they're funding their own studies as well. So that's a big ethical concern. It's a disaster. It's a disaster and a half. And the reason why it's just a disaster and a half, because again, in my article, I look at this thing and basically, uh, you know, again, because you control your own research, you control your own clinic. Uh, what pharmaceutical companies do, they do a lot of clinical studies, a lot of clinical studies, and it, it's a disaster. Uh, they, they've been able to hide deaths in clinical studies. Uh, the problem is, you know, you know, whomever asked the right question, that's the person that actually drives the uh, research. You ask, you ask the right questions. Uh, for example, I, I don't know if you have a, 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 a significant other or not, a significant partner, but anyway, if I, if I had to ask you, uh, have you stopped beating your partner? Well, yeah, I mean, how, how do you answer that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you say yes, you say no. But anyway, so yeah, yeah in research and those pharmaceutical companies, it, it's a disaster. Uh, and, uh, but 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 it, it goes deeper than that it, because they they're responsible. One of the things they all they also do is that they infiltrate what they call the uh, what's the word? What is yes? They they infiltrate what they call medical journals, medical journals, right? They sponsor medical journals. Uh, which is a a, a a a a disaster, and the medical journals uh, they sponsor uh, what they call physician physician educators. Why, well, if you if you're a physician, you also teach. They 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 fund your research. I mean, so the basically what they've done essentially they just bought people off. Uh, and so again, the, the problem with research it depends on how you should research, it depends on how you show, and you can actually. You're gonna have to pretty much show. I mean, what's what's a Mark Mark Twain, right? Mark Twain, the basic said there's three types of lies. There's there's, there's there's lies, regular lies, there's dim lies, right? And you know what the third one is? What? Statistics. 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 That's the worst kind of lies. That's lies. That's a yeah. lie. Bobby just lied to me, Bobby. Uh, that's a dim lie, Bobby. Too bad. Bobby, you have shown me statistics. That's even the worst kind of lie. Because you can manipulate the statistics. You can yeah. change it. You know, you want, so, so basically, yeah, they've, they've done that in law research. Uh, the FDA have done that. Uh, the tobacco company was a fight to the death to make them realize. The, the oil company, they, they, they're even worse. The sugar industry just for, what was it, $50,000 completely ruined all 
probably generations of people from understanding what good health is. I mean, they said that fat was bad for you and sugar wasn't causing you to get fat. All over $50,000, they manipulated studies and completely just messed up the whole health industry when it comes to our food. Exactly, exactly. But again, people, again, again when you call it conspiracy theory, basically what you're basically saying, you want, I don't want to think about this particular issue. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to do any research. I don't want to do any thinking. So basically, you're crazy. And if I'm just going to tell you that you're a conspiracy theorist. Well, you can't, you can't talk about it. I mean, I was going to ask you where you got your research from, like looking at things. Because you, if you look up Big Pharma or anything like that, you'll come across some books. But they're not the top page results. They're a couple pages back. And the reason is, is because there is big pharma happening today. It's right in front of our faces. Now, you can find information from what I've noticed. You can find historical stuff of in the past, the Sackler family and all those that are big corporations that everyone knows and acknowledges that there was big pharma back in the day. But then like the past 10, 15 years, there's no talk of that on the internet. And I think it's a censorship issue with some of these tech corporations. I don't know if they have relationships with some of these pharmaceutical companies, but it made it hard to try and find information because I've talked to FDA whistleblowers. I'll, we'll get to the FDA later, but I want to ask where you got your information from. Obviously, when you're looking through and trying to search up stuff. I mean, they're not very open about showing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a good question. Well, I can have a by saying that, but essentially what, when you, what, what you do as a researcher, you you, you got to dig. You got to dig a little bit. You got to dig. And, and, and that particular article took me, I think I was going to probably take me about 10 months to write. And so I I, I, I had research uh, 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 help uh, from students and, and you, you, you got to keep digging. And also, I think what, what, what really helps, uh, the senator from Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren, Right. She's also a big pharma kind of challenging person, but her and, and Bernie Sanders, right? Bernie Sanders, they definitely, they're the ones that kind of, they, they, they're the only ones that really been fighting them. And so therefore, so when you find something like that, then you kind of follow it. You got to follow them, you got to research them, follow them, research them. And they've introduced a lot of a legislation to regulate big pharma. And then when you look at the legislation, the legislation, a lot of them give you a lot of background, right? Because essentially, again, you know, if you want to shift the paradigm, if you want to do a legislation against Big Pharma, well, you know, what happens is that uh, those particular legislation, they, they, there's a lot of research uh, coupled with that. And so, so that, that that's how we, we, we're able to dig and dig and dig and dig. And that's why we're able to find a lot of articles on, on those things. That kind of stuff. It's, it's not an easy thing. It's not anything where you can just Google. So no, 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 they figure research. How do you get the public in on the discussion, though? Like, how do you stop people from labeling it a conspiracy? Because when you we're talking like this to me, if someone can sit and talk to you for an hour, they'll notice it's not so crazy. It's not so conspiratorial. It makes a lot of sense. But just getting people past that initial introduction or hump in the beginning to having the conversation, which I'm sure plenty of people talk about it and joke about it. And everyone knows the stereotype big pharma. But I don't know if, if you try and bring it up in public, people will start labeling you many different things. No, I, 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 I think you're right. It's very hard. Part of it, part of it, we have to be honest. Part of it is really because of the success of the United States itself. United States, but particularly, I'm not from a country where I'm from Haiti. Haiti is definitely a failed country. No question about that. Uh, if you look at the United States, let, let, let me give you a, a, a typical example, right? At my school, right? Every now and then they have a, a fire drill, right? They, they, they have a fire drill. Well, when they, when they, when they turn, turn the fire drill, the, the, the normal reaction is annoyance. You really, really get, uh, get annoyed. Because it happens where? In the middle of school, in the middle of a class, you're teaching. Now you have to stop and you have to go outside. 
Oh, it's right. It could, it could happen right now. You know what I'm saying? Right now in the middle of, of the podcast. If they have a quote-unquote fire drill, yeah, it's going to be annoying. Because now we have to stop and maybe come back. Like I thought. But anyway, but the point is, what happens is because, you know, those kind of things are kind of become, it really reflects really a success because, because they've done so many fire drills and fire drills have saved lives. And therefore, people kind of put fire drills on, on the side. Like, oh, you know what? That's kind of annoying. Well, it's the same, same, same kind of thing. The United States has been more or less largely successful, right? And so therefore, I get to a point where it's like, you know what? The government's working, I'm eating, you eating, there's some symbols of healthcare, and so therefore, you know, okay, everything's quote unquote fine, right? And therefore, I don't want to hear how to make the country better. I just don't 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 want to hear that. To, to, to me, that that that's that's kind of that's that's that that is part of the problem to me. Could I ask if you looked into the FDA at all, the Food and Drug Administration, to oh, see if they were God. influenced? Uh, Absolutely, the FDA. Matter of fact, matter of fact, when I was talking about the the, the revolving door, why Alex Azar, Alex Azar, he's no longer there. Uh, that that's a big example of what 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 is the revolving door. Alex Azar, he was a big pharmaceutical executive. Why then he went to be the pretty much the head of the uh, FDA. So so pretty much what happens over and over again is essentially they let the wolf. Uh, in charge of the chicken coop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, right. And so, but and so, like, those guys are very sophisticated. You know, they don't go in there and 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 they don't do anything crazy. But you know, you have to realize, wait, 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 now, if you think about it, right? If you think about it, right? This, this particular person, and it happens thousands of times, thousands of times. Now, in fact, I can give some examples of because I, I'm I'm a tax lawyer. I work for the IRS. I don't want to name name names, but those guys are. Quote unquote, some of my, my peers, but I bumped, I bumped into him. But you know, you got guys that, that left their, 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 their uh, uh, private sector where they're making a million dollars a year, right? Making about a million dollars a year. They come work for the IRS, and from a million dollars a year, uh, they went down to 150. They're, they're quote unquote losing $850,000 a year. And why would you think somebody would do that? Now, what would you think No, because when they come back, uh, uh, they get rewarded because they, they put some rules that are in favor of their clients. Uh, anyway, so, so that's how it happened. So that guy, he was a big pharmaceutical company, went to be the head of the FDA, and he put rules and regulations that are actually in their favor. Or more importantly, he put rules and regulations that he knows about. And, you know, a lot of it is about knowledge, how to navigate this thing. That, that's, why, that's, why, that's why lobbyists get paid a lot of money. It's what we call legal speak or those legal loopholes. Exactly. exactly. They don't pay lobbyists because they're good-looking guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or good-looking guys. No, because they, they know they know that military rules. And so that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. And that happens to what government? What government? And so therefore, essentially, that, that, that you know, basically, the United States government is captivated by the private industry. There's no question about that. There's no question about that. They, they put rules, regulations. Again, I'm more familiar with the uh, IRS side of things is that that's where I work, but it's everywhere. Well, you clearly wrote this article, but are you optimistic or pessimistic about the direction that it's going? I mean, obviously, if we don't get the knowledge out there and the information out there, um, you know, like I talk about censorship as an issue, certain subjects you're not allowed to talk about, which I feel like should be expressed. All opinions should be expressed. You should hear people's perspectives and get information out there. And we're very quick at, right now to just label things like conspiracy talk or stuff of that sort, where I don't see any of my generation caring about the issues when it comes to health. I mean, I see a lot more people getting involved in the food discussion, um, looking more at the nutrition facts, like what is this in my food? What is this? What is this? 
But if you get into prescriptive drugs, everyone still takes a Tylenol when they get a headache. I'm not saying don't take don't take it, but there's a lot of people that are just seeing something and they're insinuating that they have it, and they go to a doctor and explain symptoms or something of that sort, and they get prescribed something that could have some serious side effects without even knowing the cause of what those side effects could be. They just kind of take it because it's going to get the pain to go away. And I'm like, well, you got to understand the both sides of the spectrum. It might help, but there's also these ramifications as well, too. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm so there. Again, part, part, part of it is because of the incredible marketing job that uh, that the pharmaceutical has done. Basically, basically, what they basically say is two types of people, people that have a medical condition and those who don't know that they have a medical condition. I mean, I remember when I was in college, uh, this particular professor, all he kept saying, I mean, he said that like, maybe a hundred times, it's all about marketing. It's all about marketing. That, that's what he kept saying. So he, he, he was getting a PhD in marketing. And that's what I kept saying. And now I understand 40 years later, I understand, I understand what they were saying. Say, you know what, it's not having the best product. You, you can have the best product in the world. You can have the best, you can have a cure for cancer. You can literally have a cure for cancer. It means nothing if you don't have the right marketing uh, behind it. You know, because again, you have a cure for cancer. It's the same old, well, I'm sure you read that in college. If a tree falls in the forest, does, does it make a noise? Well, yeah, same thing. If you have the cure for cancer, but no one cares about it, no one knows about it, no one is willing to push it, it, it means nothing. Literally nothing, and, and so so that's the problem. It's the marketing part, but they, they, some of the good news is that I think the millennials, you know, although I've kind of uh, lost track of where we are now, we are at X generation Z. I don't know where we are, but uh, the millennials at that at the one point they seem to be less less interested in, in profit and more interested in healthcare and that kind of stuff. So the idea is that okay, as the millennials age up a little bit. And as we become CEOs of companies, so maybe they might make some change. Because the change really has to come from within. Uh, you know, I don't think the change comes from the outside. And so that, 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 that's part of it. And also the, the other thing, a little bit more challenging thought is that it, in these United States, we sort of have an understanding that the public has to be somewhat protected, I guess. You know, I don't like that. I don't because the things they label what needs to be protected are national security or business interests. It doesn't make sense, especially when I, I don't think that people are that fragile. I think we've been exposed to we're always exposed to a freaking political scandal like it's no tomorrow. So I don't think that's a big shocker compared to just knowing what's going on, at least in some of these corporations and how much money is going to where. But I think they're afraid that we'll interpret the information wrong, which is like, how would it if we just see like the, the, the where the money's being funded to? We can suggest that that's probably where we want our tax dollars being put in. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, but, but I, I think, I think, let me try to my camera a little bit. But I, I, I think, I think we, 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 we had a balance. Uh, and, you know, for a good long time, we had a pretty good balance. The only thing the balance is, is that could be lost right now. But let me give an example. Uh, I'm sure you about that case, United uh, Citizens, right? United, United, United Citizens. Well, yeah, that, that, that particular case is extremely dangerous because that particular case, basically what, what it stands for is that a corporation is a person. A, a corporation is treated as a person. So basically, the you know, mobile Exxon, those big corporations, they treat it just like you. They, 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 they should, basically, the idea is that they should have the same rights as the lobby. They can they have the same rights as regional member, the same rights. I mean, it sounds kind of, the only problem is this is a multi billion dollar company. Yeah. They they we we they didn't have the same food imprint, uh you know and so so that so so to me it's like it shifted a little bit too radically on the side and I'm not really sure how it's gonna uh, get fixed you know I'm I'm not really sure but you know 
Could I ask what was one area that you couldn't include in your article that you thought like, or it was just an area that is like, you obviously you're, you're touching on a, what I would call a taboo subject only because it's the way that we look at it in society. I don't think it's taboo when you actually have the conversation, but is there one area that you were kind of afraid to research? Cause you are, I mean, you work in, you know, you're, you're, you're doing studies for universities. So I would think like there's one area you really can't touch, or you just feel like it might not be important to do so because career wise as well too. I mean, I understand that protection, but is there an area in your article that you felt like you had to leave out because there was some either political ramifications or just something of that sort? No, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember any of those kind of thoughts. Yeah. I mean, and the, the, the reason the reason I'm saying that because first of all, I'm, I'm 60 years old. So when you get to be six, huh? <laughs> thank, thank you. Uh, when you get to be 60, 60 years old, so that well, I mean, in terms of my career, my career, I'm I'm not a 10 years like I was. If something happened where I where I would, would be, you know, kicked out or whatever, I, I can't survive that. I, I I'm not a 42 year old professor trying to tenure that kind of stuff. So therefore, I I was less concerned about that. And that's number one, number two. When you've been in the uh, academia for a little while, yeah, I, I probably can 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 get a job here and there. Like I was in, I mean, I I I don't remember any any particular area that I was concerned about. And, and then more 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 importantly, a lot of times when you, when you write those other books, and I, and I was very careful in terms of, of not naming names necessarily. I, I was definitely concerned about that, but I wasn't really concerned. If, for example, I was much more comfortable. Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Alex Asdar. Well, you know, yeah, he's in. The, he works for the FDA. Works for the pharmaceutical company. I'm a tax lawyer. I'm, I'm, but I mean, me connecting on this path probably not going to happen. Uh, whereas when it comes to the IRS, school, tax lawyers, but I'm a little bit more careful because again, these are quote unquote guys that are quote unquote peers. But instead of I wouldn't ever plus plus in that, it wasn't an article about the IRS anyway. It was an article about the corruption in the government. And, and again, I, I wouldn't want somebody that I work with. Somebody that may work with me, I wouldn't want necessarily to accuse them of corruption, even though the, the whole system was corrupt. My back is kind of interesting. There was a young, a young fellow in the, he worked, while he was in the IRS, he wrote an article calling for too much corruption in the IRS. <laughs> that guy was brave. He, you know, so busy, and, and he basically named names, you know. And so, but, but anyway, going back to your question, there wasn't anything that I considered taboo. I didn't, you know. Was there an area in your article that you would like to expand a little bit more that you felt like obviously you had to wrap the article up at some point? You couldn't just keep writing forever. I mean, you probably could with the amount of stuff that's going on, but is there an area that you would like to expand more? Like if you were going to do another one? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because what happens is in the beginning of the article, I don't know if you, well, you know, the, the way those uh, articles are, are, are written, it's kind of interesting. I got in law school. Uh, you I'm happy I found it. Huh? <laughs> I said, I'm happy I found it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm happy you found it too, and that's really that's been kind of a big battle uh, among my peers. That well, you know, when we when we when we read articles, nobody reads the article. I'm not, I'm not, but anyway, so those articles are edited by 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 law students, right? But there's a whole law journal thing. There's a whole history behind that, right? And, and the one thing that they that took out a little bit is the history. You know, I, I had a, a robust history of the pharmaceutical industry, and they, they kind of took it out, that kind of stuff, and so. Uh, and, and so that, that's the one thing that I think I'd like to explain. That I, I wish I had kept it, but you want to take it out and you get to a point where, you, you know, if you want to get the article published, you want to get it done, that kind of stuff, move on to the next project. But, but yeah, but, but, but to me, it's like I really, really believe that if you don't know your history, then you repeat the, you can't repeat the, the same mistake. And the history of the medical profession was medical profession was all heartily created for profit. You know, it wasn't 
it was created for profit. Basically, what happened is uh, there are some people that actually were selling pharmaceuticals. And back then, in the 1800s, you didn't have medical doctors. They had bottles of mercury to cure like snake bites and stuff exactly. like that, which is nuts. Exactly. exactly. And, and this guy, this couple of guys, just said, you know what? We can actually make money by essentially modernizing it. And so one of the ways that they actually saw it, they basically saw that there were too many, I guess, what they call cracks. People here and there, for example, Bobby, you know, snake bites, that, that's your thing. People go to you for snake bites. Hmm. People go to me for uh, 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 dental uh, uh, removal. You know, With a crow. They use a crow to pick your teeth. Exactly. Exactly. In my fact, there's a guy in Haiti. I remember there's a guy in Haiti. Basically, if he had a tooth that wanted to, to take out, he put a little powder, and he can literally take, take it out with his bare hand. What is in yeah. that powder? Huh? Yeah, what's in that powder is what I, I want to know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows, but if you had a bad tooth in it. And he was actually very, uh, what's that called? Uh, 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 very, very useful in Haiti because he had bad tooth that, that's, that's, that's decaying. You know what I mean? He, he could put, but anyway, the point really is they wanted to control that whole area, and they literally created the medical profession. They literally created the medical profession, and they, they created the, 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 the white coats, all that stuff. And then they sent it to marketing. They basically say, well, you know, if you're not a medical doctor, you're a crack. If you're not a medical doctor, so, so that's how the system was created. But it was really for the purpose of making money. The whole point was to make money. So that's the part of the history uh, that, you know, I find kind of interesting. Uh, but they, they didn't find it as interesting and they kind of took it out of me. Like, fine. I, I think if you show a track record in the past that there's been a long history of the same stuff that's going on today, you'll have a lot more people. Like, if you're able to make connections, you'll have a lot more people labeling it, or less people labeling it conspiracy because they see that, oh, yeah, yeah it yeah, happened. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, 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 but, you know, again, the, the editors, they, they, they thought the article was, was just too big. They also thought that people will actually like lose interest in that. And, and, and let me give you a quick example. For example, uh, uh, the police department, police department that we have in here in the United States, well, you know, the whole history of, of police department, they were, they, they were essentially created way, way back then as passes to recover one way slaves. That, 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 that was the whole point. And, and so that kind of changed the most. Like, so, you know, but but that, that's the history. History essentially goes to things that being created to really, you know, uh, recapture one of the slaves. And all this and, and, and like I said, the problem with that is that some people don't really, because I guess part of it also because of a public, uh, the demise of a public education, people don't really care about these kind of things. They, they, they're not teaching students how to, uh, to, to, to think. And so they're like, okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> Um, I want to ask uh, just probably one last question to you. Um, if you're going to look at ways that the public can get like kind of move things forward, like some obviously policies from the public's perspective, I mean, talking about it helps. But what would you recommend? Uh, you know, what, 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 what I would re recommend is, yeah, yeah, it's kind of tough. I, I mean, I, I, I think I think obviously politics, politics, you know, people like that, like that. Like, uh, Elizabeth Stevens, those kind of people kind of have a little bit. And in terms of making the public aware of, of what's going on, I, I, you have to be honest, I guess uh, a podcast like this, you know, a podcast like this, people kind of talk, uh, talk about it. But, 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 but you know, it's a great, it's a great challenge. But again, the public doesn't want to, want to think things through. 
They really don't. Matter of fact, that is a big point. I don't know who said that, but you know, I said in politics, when you're explaining, you're losing. In politics, when you explain, you're losing. People don't, you know, for example, the Republicans, they've been being successful by, by saying, cut taxes. They cut taxes, there's something people are going to have more money in their pocket. And if you have more money in their pocket, that means they're going to spend more money. And when spend more money, uh, the government goes make more money. I mean, it's a bunch of silliness, but it probably is a very simple way to. So if we could come up with something that's actually catchy, something that is catchy, and I'll give you another example, uh, the uh, uh, estate tax, right? When you, for example, if you die with a billion dollars, the government just not going to allow you to pass on all that money to your no, children. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, you know, and, and there's economic theory beyond that. You know, it's not necessarily a good thing to hand somebody a billion dollars, right? Well, you know, when they want to attack that, they call it the death tax. That's what they call it. It was very catchy. But even after your death, Robbie, the government's still in your pocket. I know. That's what I call it, death tax. So what I'm saying is if you can work on something like that, uh, uh, something catchy, uh, the other problem is people that do this kind of research that I do, they're very serious people. They don't like the catchy stuff. That's what they're fighting about anyway. You know what I mean? So, but, but it's a little bit of a losing battle. But I would basically say if you can find something catchy, anti-big pharma, that might work. Uh, you know what I mean? But again, people do the kind of research I'm doing, they don't, they're not going to like that because they want real discussions. And, and I'm not sure we're going to have real discussions uh, among the public uh, as a whole. Yeah. Well, Reginald, I appreciate the time you gave me to talk on my show, man. Seriously, I really do appreciate it. Um, is there a place where people can find um, – I can link your articles in there, but do you have anything you'd like to promote, like um, if you want to say it to anybody out there listening? I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really not a big technology guy, right? Some people have uh, Twitter pages that I don't, I don't have that. Uh, so yeah, yeah. If, 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 you link, if you link the article, that, that, that that's actually great. If people want to talk to me about the article, that's fine. Uh, if people want to talk to me about the, the whole big pharma industry, this that 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 would be excellent, also. All right, I'm gonna link your links in the description to the article and everything like that. Even if I find any other links with you, I'll make sure to put in there as well too. And thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank. Stay tuned for next.